Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. You ain't getting no money if you constantly worried about what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to closing a deal, I get you done. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Coinology. And I am sitting next to, am I, is it Pastor or just Ben Carlton? Always just Ben. Ben, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, we have Ben Carlton in the studio today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to even be a guest. Well, thank you. And you're all the way from the West Coast. Yes, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Hey, so I'm glad to have you here. I know you're probably wondering, how did I find out about you? At that part. <laughs> right, 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 right. I have a really good friend um, that's based out of L.A. Okay. Um, he's also a man of God. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, very, 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 very fond of your work and your studies. And so mm-hmm. knowing what we do here at Coronology, which is all about you know, uncovering and developing and teaching and thinking outside the box, he said, you really need to study someone named Ben Carlton. So I went out there and I started doing my research and I was very, very intrigued. I was very intrigued. I loved your honesty, your transparency. And I said, I want to know more about his story um, because I know that it must be extreme. Um, you're here for your own talk show. Yes. Right. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the show. <laughs> Uh, well, it's a, a number of things I'm recording, but it's a mix of um, Late Night and Ellen. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, you know, comedy. Um, basically, the theme for my life, my purpose, mm-hmm. is love, light, and laughter. And okay. That's what I want to be in a time where we are, you know, trying to create spaces that are welcoming for everyone, trying to create environments where we can come to the table from opposite sides of thought mm-hmm. and theology mm-hmm. and methodology and all of that. Um, creating a little love, a little light, and a little laughter. Inclusivity. Um, in homes. Yes. I love it. I love it. And you are also an author. Yes. Okay. Name of your book? I'm black. I'm a minister. I'm gay. Okay. Yes. That is what caught my attention. Oh. I love the boldness of it. I love the strength of it. It was. It's like, okay, this is who I am. Then when I began to study a little bit further, I also love the way that you are challenging the way we think about things from a theological perspective, right? Yes. And I think, um, would you consider yourself a millennial or yes, I'm a, a millennial? I think we need to talk a little bit more with millennials about their viewpoints because I'm sure as a pastor, you recognize that many millennials are no longer going to church. I mean, not at all. They're not even going to church in the traditional sense yes. of of um, the building. And do you believe that the building constitutes church? No. Church is in your heart. Church is wherever you're at. Um, You know, Christ uh, built his church um, through what he did in ministry. There was never a building. There was never. There was never a welcome to Jesus Christ's church. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't start establishing churches till years after mm-hmm. buildings, rather buildings. until years after Jesus had gone on. Now there were temples and synagogues, but they weren't the church that we think about and know about today. Mm-hmm. And and that was another reason why I was so intrigued by you because you really are starting to make people think about what it is that they say must be. But before we get into that, because I think we're going to have a very good conversation in that space, I want to know a little bit more about Ben Carlton, okay? Where are you from, Ben? I am from the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, Philadelphia, right? Yes, yes. Born and raised in a two-parent household, a single parent? Um, A mix. Okay. Um, My bio dad was there for like the first four years. Mm -hmm. And then my stepdad came when I was about six or seven. Okay. So, but you've always had mom and a dad, a father figure in the household. Mm -hmm. Only child, more. I'm the eldest of four. Eldest of four. Okay. 
Um, off to college? Yes. You did? The uh, number one HBCU, public HBCU in the nation, the Florida Agricultural Mechanical University. Okay. I keep coming across so many FAMU folks. Uh, yeah, you okay? always will. I You're always keep... at the top, and I know you sit at the top. So, <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, I just keep coming across FAMU. Yes, we strike from the top. <laughs> okay, you guys have a homecoming coming up, yes, right? Yes, yes. All right, all right. Okay, so let's go back a little bit. So growing up. Ben, did you know that you were gay? Day one. Day one. So the you doctor were... spanked me. I said, "Do it again." <laughs> <laughs> so you knew. So you knew from a little boy. Yes. Okay. So I when... didn't know it was called gay. I just knew I liked other boys. Okay, you knew that. And so, mom, dad, were they accepting? Were they How... knew, but they weren't accepting. They weren't accepting. Yes. And um, they knew before you said something. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then. So how did you handle the coming out period? Or was there ever a coming out period for yes, you? Yes, it okay. was. Um, I spent uh, most of my young adult, well, yeah, my young adult life denying who I was, mm -hmm. um, hiding who I was because it wasn't acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, I was teased. I was feminine. So I had to toughen up. I had to put on a persona that was not me. So every day I put on a mask to be accepted at home, to be accepted mm -hmm. at school, um, I had a best friend. She's still my best friend, my uh, favorite cousin. I was able to, for lack of better words, lay my hair down and be free and comfortable around mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. But that was it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, like many other ministers that are still doing it today, I jumped right into the routine of bashing the LGBTQ community. Mm. And what I learned from one of my uh, former mentors is that whatever... The preacher preaches loudest about he often struck they often struggle with whatever mm -hmm, that is. Mm -hmm. So that was your area yes. was the bashing of the LGBTQ community. Yes. So okay. you know, uh, gays are going to hell. All the things I actually, um, you know, learned this from one of my uh, friends, Shaka Singora. He said he spent most of his life tearing down his community. Now he has an obligation to build it back up. Mm -hmm. And I felt the same thing since I used my pulpit, since I used my voice to tear down the LGBTQ community, I'm obligated to build it back up. There was one of my classmates um, had posted um, on Facebook. He said, I hate because there was a, a minister who had bashed a gay community and was found out with a prostitute or something, mm -hmm. a, a male prostitute. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm so sick of these men living undercover, but bashing the gay community I'm paraphrasing in public. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy told me that I was going to hell when I was in school, and here he is living in a blaze of rainbow glory, living his best gay life in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Oh my God, he's talking about me." So, and, so, but before that was when you were a pastor at that point, right? No, no, I was in high school. You were in high school. Yes. So you were you were vocal against LGBTQ communities before you became a pastor, right? Yes. So. But was it obvious that you were gay at that point? It all depends on where I was and who uh -huh. you talked to. Okay. Um, you know, I if I got with my good girlfriends, I was very comfortable, mm -hmm. relaxed. I forgot to put up my guard. So mm -hmm. feminine traits would come out. Mm -hmm. If I was in all-male settings, which terrified me, I hated barbershops, I hated gyms, mm -hmm. I hated locker rooms, I was very quiet to myself. Or I tried to buy friendship. Mm -hmm. So giving away things, being friends with people through gifts. Um, and so uh, there would be murmurs and rumors and people would talk, um, mm -hmm. but then I would counter it with stories or mess with girls so that people would, you know. Debunk it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or publicly voice that being gay is wrong so mm -hmm. that people don't think that mm -hmm. I was. Mm -hmm. So when did you find out that you were in love with Christ? Where was your first... That is hard to tell, um, truly, because I, God didn't make me like love him or the divine didn't make me love mm -hmm. them. Um, it was just something that happened. Like it was just natural. Like I was in kindergarten preaching. So you, I didn't come from a religious family. So we didn't go to church. you've always been gay. You've always been a preacher. Yes. Okay. And your family didn't come from church. You just Not said at that. All. So, heathens. so heathens. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so, but you've always had a connection with Christ. Yes. Right. I, I had a connection with something higher than me. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm very intelligent. Okay. And so I always thought. I mean, I mean, some of us may look like monkeys, but I didn't think we evolved. 
mm-hmm. from monkeys. Mm-hmm. Something, why am I here? I would just mm-hmm. stare up in the sky. Mm-hmm. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. What is this world all about? And so I would just read the Bible. I found my name in the Bible, so I felt kind of special. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would pull my friends to the backyard and, uh, uh, again, buy them candy chips. And they would just have to listen to me preach. And mm-hmm. I would open up and preach from Genesis or just read the Bible. Mm. And so I always knew that there was something bigger and greater than me. We just didn't get here. This is too much power mm-hmm. for it to be human um, sourced. Mm-hmm. Something bigger made this. Um, yeah, and were your parents, uh, I guess, open to that side of you as well? Uh, yeah, I I was judgmental. I sat on a high horse mm-hmm. um, because I was smarter than most people in my environment. Mm-hmm. I was, <laughs> my mom called me Mr. Know-It-None because mm-hmm. I knew it all. And she would get mad. <laughs> I would, like, I had a photogenic memory. I mm-hmm. could give the cab driver directions home from wherever we were at age five and six. Mm-hmm. And so um, me being pompous was a part of my persona. Mm-hmm. And so they just didn't ever pay me any mind. Do you think that became part of who you were to protect yourself from? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was a defense. It was mechanism. defense, right? Yes. I might be gay, but I'm smarter than you. Right. I right. might be gay, but you're stupid. Right. Like it was that. Right. 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 Or I have a better relationship with God than you. You're yes. going to hell. Yes. I'm not. Yes. Right. Okay. So um, was school, college, was that something that was mandated in your household? Absolutely. Okay. So it was no other choice but to go to college. Yeah. Well, no other choice, but it was expected. It was expected, especially with you being so intelligent. Yes. So what did you go on to study? Uh, communications and business. Broadcast okay. journalism and uh, I got my MBA. So you are definitely in, walking in line with what you went to school and studied. Yes. Okay, so college, I mean, high school, went to the prom. Did you go with a, a woman Girl, or yes. a man? You did. Okay, so went off. I wasn't out. I didn't, I didn't come out to age 30. Oh. That's why it's taken me so long to get to that part of my life. I okay. didn't come out to age thirty. So, so when you when you say not out, but you probably were from the age of eighteen to thirty, you were probably still living your your truth in some form. No, or were you still trying <laughs> from age five from, to age thirty? You were living. Your I was truth. living my truth. So you I had were a boyfriend never... and a girlfriend. Okay, mine whole. Your life. whole life. Yes. Okay. So you were on a down low. Yes. Until 30. Yes. Okay. And did any of your girlfriends ever find out? No. Never? Um, I uh, revealed it to um, one of my um, girlfriends. Actually, I revealed it to both my, the longest relationships I had. My high school girlfriend and my college girlfriend, I both revealed it to them. And then how did they handle it? Uh, my high school girlfriend stopped talking to me. Um, well, actually, it took her a while, but she eventually stopped talking to me um, because I, uh, my freshman year, we dated throughout high school. My freshman year in college, um, I got delivered. Um, was at a church service. Mm-hmm. Somebody got delivered from homosexuality. I said, oh, I want to get delivered too. So I ran up to the altar, the pastor said I was delivered. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like in order to really be free, I need to like share this testimony so shared it with her it didn't go well shared it with my god mom didn't go well shared it with uh, my mom and she was kind of excited okay he's not gonna be gay anymore um and uh my second girlfriend found out through church uh scandal okay that's sleeping with another guy at the church at the church and, and okay let's before we get to the scandal let's go back to the first girlfriend so when you mentioned to her and you told her you know this and that was the first time she's ever heard you say i am gay yes but people talked about me mm-hmm. um because i was i was all things church i was singing i was mm-hmm. preaching i was teaching i was in bible school mm-hmm. i was always at the church um uh, so somebody probably told her. Yeah, people people talked about me all the time. Mm-hmm. People, my friends would often have to come to my defense um, because people would be like, why are you hanging with him? He's gay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure uh, people have said things to her. So initially she didn't just say, I'm done. No. She didn't leave at first initially. Right. But as time went on, she decided, okay. And were you hurt or were you relieved when she finally left? I was hurt because... I really honestly thought I could conquer this. And we were friends mm-hmm. beyond just dating. We were really good friends. Um, and so how things ended um, was just a cold, like, 
I'm done talking to you. Mm. Like we'd be in the same environment sometimes and not even talk to each other after years of being friends. Of being friends. And yes. do you think it was an embarrassment for her or more so pain of losing you? Uh, a mix of both. Um, but I think embarrassment was a huge factor. Mm -hmm. And as I can only imagine someone coming to her and saying, your boyfriend's gay and her saying, no, he's not. And then come to find out I am. That you are. And yeah. it's like, well, I just wasted all this. Mm -hmm. I could have been out here <laughs> living mm -hmm. my best life with another man. And mm -hmm. here I wasted it with this guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I felt bad, like absolutely horrible. And I always tell people that today, stop wasting people's time. But did you really like her? Yeah. You did? Yes. So then we move on to your next relationship where you were dating a woman and you were sleeping with someone in a church. Yes. And then how were you outed with that? Um, the, the scandal um, in the church involved a few of the leaders um, who were sleeping with members of the church. Mm -hmm. And those members of the church were tired of sleeping with the leaders. And so everybody just started talking. Were you a member of the church or were you a leader in the church? Both. So you were both? Yes. Okay. But in that dynamic, I was the member and... He was the leader. He was the leader. Okay. So you became, do you feel that that person misused their their authority? Yes. Okay. So do you feel as if you um, were taken advantage of? Yes. Okay. And so. It's a culture. It's a culture. And it so is. you, you see. Younger people are preyed upon by older leadership. Mm. So it sounds very similar to the scandal that broke loose here Absolutely. in Atlanta. Same, I, new birth. Same environment. Same environment. Okay. Yes. And um, do you feel as if you were groomed? Yes. Okay. Along with many of the other people. Like when I heard the testimony of the guys that had dealt with the new birth situation, it just mm -hmm. resonated. I was like, they're not lying. Mm -hmm. They are mm -hmm. not lying at mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. so now, they might be exaggerating, embellishing, mm -hmm. but the mm -hmm. core of it, they're not lying. But also... You were willingly a part of the relationship, or do you feel like you were coerced into that? Um, coerced, mm -hmm. but willing. But when you take advantage of someone who is struggling, who is weak, who mm -hmm. has daddy issue, all the things, um, it's kind of a both end because there was no type of assault because I was grown. I was mm -hmm. 18. Mm -hmm. But from a mental capacity absolutely taken advantage of absolutely groomed um and if i had a choice i wouldn't have chosen to do it okay so and you had a girlfriend at that time and you started talking along with the other members and then she found out from hearing about it in the church oh, no, i told her you told before her before it hit the fan okay and then how did that go awfully okay um I still carry the guilt of, of breaking hearts mm -hmm. um, because of uh, pride, arrogance, stupidity, shame. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because though, you know, my preference is men, mm -hmm. I still love everybody. Mm -hmm. So I love them with mm -hmm. my whole heart. Mm -hmm. And it hurt me to hurt them. And you, so today I know that in the millennial space and especially in Gen Z's, I hear a lot about people beginning to just love people for who they are, fluidity. Yes. So the women that you happen to have dated, though, they weren't open to dating a man that loved other men, though. Because I'm hearing that some people yeah. are saying, OK, it doesn't matter to me. Probably not at that time. I don't know where they are today. OK. Um, but I think, you know, with time, people evolve. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, I am excited that people are willing to just experience people no matter what their other experiences have been. As long as you and I are together, it doesn't matter what else you have mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. And so I can't answer that. But back then, no, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Was that your last relationship with a woman, with her? Yes. Okay. I, I attempted another one, but then I was like, Ben, don't do this. Mm -hmm. Don't do this again. Well, were you attempting to get in relationships with these women because you were really interested in them, or were you still trying to change yourself? Both. It was trying to change myself and trying to fit the mold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
especially in leadership, you're supposed to be married. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I was in, into politics as well, so you're supposed to have a first lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, <laughs> people, I was president of a few organizations, and they would call my girlfriend first lady. Okay. Okay. And so you then begin to say, this is me and you get to 30. What happened at 30 to make you say, you know what? I am me. This is me. Accept me for who I am. Yeah. A number of things happened. Uh, but I would say the core of it was I was tired of being alone because when I broke it off with my, well, actually, um, a guy who I was in love with broke up with me. Mm-hmm. Um, his, uh, Mom was getting sick, and act, she asked him, um, when am I going to have some grandbabies? Mm-hmm. And so he went off and got married and gave her some grandbabies mm. um, and broke my heart. Mm. I didn't have any more love to give. I couldn't pretend anymore. So, so that was kind of karma yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that happened beforehand. Okay. He broke my heart. I then turned around and broke her heart. Okay. Because I didn't have any more love to give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was tired of pretending and putting on. And so... After watching her heart break, I said, Ben, you can't do this to humans. You can't play with people and tour with people's hearts and emotions. Like, stop. Mm -hmm. So I didn't date anybody anymore until I figured out what I wanted. Mm -hmm. All of my straight friends started getting married. I was Mm -hmm. in their weddings. They were getting married. So, you know, once you get married, you start hanging out with the boys less and less Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. now i'm lonely Mm -hmm. because i don't want to go hang out in the gay community because i don't want to be outed Mm -hmm. but also i'm losing my friends but in addition to um, i co-founded be me community which is the largest social entrepreneurship network for black people in america okay and a part of uh, my job um, was to travel the country um, telling stories about black authenticity Mm -hmm. um, and encouraging black men to be themselves all the while, I wasn't being myself. In addition to that, through Be Me, I was exposed to black gay men who were affluent. Okay. Politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 Malcolm Kenyatta out of Pennsylvania. Chevron Jones out of Florida. Mm-hmm. I had never seen a positive black gay male re- role model relationship. Mm-hmm. The only thing I knew about being gay was the church culture mm-hmm. or... Um, freaks at parades Mm -hmm. because that's all they show Mm -hmm. us that's all they told us Mm -hmm. and so when I was exposed to what my life could be my mindset started changing all of the narratives that informed me about what being gay was began to be torn down by my lived experiences of interacting with black gay men who are doing amazing things around the country Curtis Lipscomb Mm -hmm. out of Chicago uh, runs LGBTQ Detroit Um, Akil Patterson uh, a gay athlete, because uh, we would give black men awards for doing amazing things, mm-hmm. and I would meet them and work with them. And so that kind of lightened a path forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, my organization was doing a, a campaign called Hashtag Black Men Love, mm-hmm. and we were asking black men to write about things that they love. Um, and I had come out to my core team um, and they were like, well, why don't you write about your love? And I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not ready for that. Mm-hmm. And eventually convinced me. And I wrote an article in the root.com entitled, I'm black, I'm a minister, and I'm gay. Mm. I had no idea whether I was going to go to heaven or hell. But what I was tired of was living in hell on earth. Mm-hmm. And I was tired of living in hiding. I was tired of not walking in my truth, tiptoeing around, still sneaking around with guys. Um, and I was just ready to kind of free myself of that like i i was so stressed that my skin was changing mm. i went to the dermatologist he's like oh you need a new job you're stressed i'm like i love my job i travel <laughs> the world i'm on stages doing what i was created mm. to do it's not my job i know what it is because every night i prayed for god to take this away mm. every morning i woke up I'm, I'm still gay god what you doing you don't hear my prayers What's every happening? day every, every day. day so 30 you yeah. come forward yeah and um Mom, is your mom still alive? Mm-hmm. Okay. Was your dad still alive at that moment, at that time? Yeah. And how did they handle it at 30 when you came out and said, this is just going to be me? Um, well, I did not have a relationship with my bio dad um, or a close enough relationship for me to tell him or talk to him. He found out through the grapevine, and he lost his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, he started calling everybody, why didn't you tell me Ben was gay? And mm-hmm. 
sir, we have a whole bunch of whys for you. <laughs> <laughs> so sit back, chill, pipe down. <laughs> um, my mom didn't take it well. Okay. Uh, we have a great relationship now, mm-hmm. but um, what I learned is you have to give people time to embrace the new you. Mm-hmm. I had 30 years to embrace the new me. I wanted her to embrace me in 2.5 seconds after right. I told her. Even though she probably knew in 30 uh, years, too. I mean, your she mom, knew before me. Yeah, your mom, <laughs> right. Your mom will know, right? She does right. in denial. Yes. Right. And so, uh, you know, I believe, um, well, when I told her, she told me I was going to get AIDS. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, so what are you going to walk around in high heels now? Are you a girl? I said, no, I'm not a cross-dresser. I'm mm-hmm. gay. Mm-hmm. But even if I was a cross-dresser, I still am who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm still your son. But what I realized was her connection to gay was AIDS mm-hmm. because many of her friends and associates in the 80s and 90s who were gay died from AIDS. Mm-hmm. And so her association with the word and term gay was AIDS. So I don't fault her for uh, being honest about her lived experience concerning mm-hmm. being gay. And wanting to protect herself. Yes, absolutely. At the end of the day, I think what she was trying to do is protect you. Yeah. So... You, you come forward, you're open, um, and then you be, were you already a pastor at this point? I was a minister. A minister, okay. So um, now you're you're preaching the gospel, mm-hmm. um, and did you actually come out at the church as well? Well, I knew what would happen once I came out, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I was um, uh, I was on the board of several churches, and I was in leadership at one church. So I met with all the pastors and let mm-hmm. them know what I was going to do. Um, my really good friend, mentor, Pastor Derek McGee out of Tallahassee, um, embraced me and said, I'm your brother no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, I boohoo cried. Mm-hmm. Um, now, nah, I can't be in leadership anymore, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm your brother no matter what. Uh, my bishop out of Miami was very heartbroken, but loved me through the process so he didn't your bishop didn't know no so the question is this this is the question i have is you couldn't be in leadership anymore because you were open but you're the same person yes that you were before yes. so could you have remained in leadership if you would have continued living in the closet is that what is that what the church is asking you to do absolutely Okay. And so I, I saw just recently where um, Visions Conference took place mm-hmm. and um, Pastor Jamal Bryant yes. um, spoke forward about um, apologies to the LGBT community for the church and the behavior of the church. Mm-hmm. It seems that for many people, they feel as if if they're not attending a LGBTQ friendly church, which is all LGBTQ, <clears throat> they don't, they can't praise in a openly a, a church, a traditional church. Is that still the feeling today? Do you feel as if you, in order to be in leadership, you have to be a part of an LGBTQ church? Is that how it is still today? Well. It's, it's so nuanced. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, a lot of churches are creating uh, accepting environments. Mm-hmm. They know you're gay. You may have a partner. They embrace you. They accept you. But you can't be in you leadership. You can't be in leadership, and they won't marry you. I refuse to be a part of any organization that doesn't fully embrace the fullness of who God created me to be. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to use my talents, my gifts, my money. Mm-hmm. Unless you can pray over me, marry me, allow me to operate my gifts. And the sad part about it is there are many uh, LGBTQ people who are serving in ministries where that is the case. We accept you, you're gay, but you can't be in leadership. Um, Or you're gay, but be quiet about it. We don't want you sitting next to your partner. We don't want y'all holding hands. We don't Mm -hmm. want you embracing. Mm -hmm. We don't want. So it's like we we only are going to accept part of you that benefits us. And we're not going to minister to the whole of who you are. That is so Mm anti-Christ. Christ doesn't choose parts of us to engage with. He Mm -hmm. embraces our entire selves. He embraces our totality in the human experience. And then there are... um, uh, 
those same people who will then use the gay church for their weddings, for their baby christenings, but go take their talents back to the church that doesn't appreciate the fullness of who they are. So, so is is it so is it written somewhere in church doctrine that a, a gay man cannot serve in leadership, or is that just the, the you know the board, the the deacon board? It all depends on where you're at what denomination, what mm -hmm. fellowship in the Catholic Church, there are bylaws against um, same-sex marriage, etc. Mm -hmm. um, there may not be a rule that says gay people can't be in leadership, but it may be a rule that says a man must be married to a woman to be in leadership. Okay. Um, or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and then some bylaws specifically say, you know, gay people can't be in leadership. So in my studies, I saw where you actually even challenge whether the word actually does state that homosexuality is wrong. Yes. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about that. I, I was very intrigued when I saw that. So, so what's your challenge there? What, where do you, where is the origin of that? I got comfortable. Yeah, I told you it's a certain <laughs> part of these interviews that we go. I did not always say it's a shift, right? So let's talk about that. Yes. Yeah. So what's the origin? What part? Where do you, where, why do you not believe that that was originally in the word? Yes. So it's not a matter of belief, it's a matter of fact. Okay, let's talk about it. Most pastors mm -hmm. won't have a factual conversation about it because they're not armed or equipped. Okay. Or they're armed or equipped and don't want to admit the truth because it would scare away parishioners and they wouldn't have any church or offering anymore. You think even today? Absolutely. With today. so many homosexual people that are living their truth. Yes that they are still afraid of people turning away from them. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about the basis and the facts. Yes. So what, what, what's, so what the, are the facts? So the fact is the word homosexual mm -hmm. did not get entered into the Bible until 1946. Okay. That is a fact. That is a fact. The word homosexual. So how was it entered into the Bible? So a group of theologians, mm -hmm. a group of white men, mm -hmm. uh, one of my friends, C.C. Battles, has coined, you need some white supremacy rehab. Okay. Because a group of white men actually determined what, uh, I mean, centuries ago, what Bible, what books would actually go in the Bible, what stories would actually go in the Bible. They removed a lot of stories about mm -hmm. women leaders. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. And now we get to 1946, and a group of theologians decided to change words like pervert, pedophile, male prostitute into the word homosexual. Okay. They okay. translated those words. Now. Mm -hmm. Pedophile doesn't mean same gender loving. Pedophile mm -hmm. means you're sick and mm -hmm. you have an issue with children. That's right. Being a male prostitute doesn't mean you are homosexual. That means you just sell your sex for money. Mm -hmm. um, being a pervert doesn't mean prostitute. I mean, doesn't mean homosexual. That means just you're a pervert. Mm -hmm. But they changed those words into homosexual. Mm -hmm. And there was another uh, theologian who wrote them and said, hey, if you change these words to homosexual, you will then weaponize, I'm paraphrasing, you will weaponize the faith against a group of people. They never responded to mm -hmm. him. They did what they were going to do, as they have done, historically ruined people, and, and I'm talking about the white race, mm -hmm. um, did what they were going to do, then wrote back to the theologian after they did it and said, you're right, we'll change it on the next revision. The next revision didn't happen until 1977. And okay. they changed it back. So they changed it back and removed the word homosexual. But by then, other versions had picked it up. And now homosexuality is in the Bible in many different versions because of that in 1946. So prior to 1946, do you think that there was a fear or um, a viewpoint of homosexuality prior to that too? I mean, there's always been mm -hmm. uh, the fear of other uh, since the beginning of time. But we had more of our history that celebrated um, and accepted homosexuality as a way of life mm -hmm. before, you know, that major shift and change. Like, uh, historically, when, you know, soldiers went off to war, they couldn't be with their women, so they would be with younger men. They mm -hmm. would send younger men to war, not to fight, but to sleep with the strong soldiers. Mm. That was a part of culture and mm -hmm. custom. In indigenous communities around the world, Native America, Africa, uh, India, um, uh, Australia, uh, South America, I may have just said that already, mm -hmm. there's a celebration of the spectrum of queerdom 
um, whether it be uh, two spirits in uh, Native America, husband, wives, wife, husbands, gay queens, uh, gay kings, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. lesbian queens in Africa in the tombs, putting men and men together, buried together, the uh, hieroglyphics or whatever it's called that you draw on the mountains, two people married together. This was celebrated. Whiteness and colonialism came in and said this is uh, 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 buffoonery, uh, the way that you are living is anti-God, and they would torture us in so many ways that may, that's why in the Caribbean there's such a heavy mm -hmm. um, uh, resistance to queerdom because mm -hmm. they traumatized us via rape, um, molestations, all the things. And so whiteness and colonialism came in and disrupted all of it, utilizing uh, the word of God to do mm, so. Mm. This is all facts. I'm not. Well, yeah, because we also know that the Bible was also used to keep slaves in order. Yes. Right? We were it's given had, a different version. We were given a different version, <laughs> and we were also told certain things to keep us docile yes. and to ensure that we did not revolt. Yes. So th that's why I think when, when people begin to ask questions today, and then we always just go back what well, the word says, but you can't ask questions of the word. And you know that the Bible was also used to keep you in order. Yeah. You have to ask yourself, well, what, what, what's going on, right? Yeah. So as, but you, a man of God, which denomination and which you? Um, so I, I grew up non-denominational, mm -hmm. but with the Pentecostal flair. Okay. Um, so I'm not part of any denomination. Non-denominational. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so... You are, uh, so I, now I also heard you say the divine, mm -hmm. okay? So do, would you consider yourself a Christian? Yes, because I follow Christ. I believe the story of Christ. I believe the sacrifice of Christ. I believe the uh, return of Christ. What I don't subscribe to is that Christ is the only way. Okay, so let's go there. Because I, you know, I've had, these are the conversations that I have quite a bit mm -hmm. with a lot of um very, very intelligent individuals. And so many believe that God would not, or Christ is about love. Yes. And the acceptance. Absolutely. Okay. And so one would want us to believe that if you're Muslim, if you're Buddhist, if you are anything outside of Christian, you are going to hell. Yeah. You don't believe that. What are your thoughts on even spirituality from a perspective of our African original mm. spiritual yeah. beliefs, such yeah. as hoodoo and some of those yeah. things? What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I want to say this before we get there. Mm -hmm. Whoever is listening, just breathe. Mm -hmm. Take a minute, take a beat and just breathe because all of this is causing defenses now to be lifted up. That's right. And they're not going to want to hear the rest of what I have to say. But breathe. And we'll be all right. Journey or, with or me or look, conversation. Hit pause, go have a drink, <laughs> and come back. And come right? on back. <laughs> you know. Um, so, one, you have to source everything. Mm -hmm. He who controls the narrative controls the outcome. That's right. He who controls the narrative controls the outcome. And I always say how messed up it is for a black people to be enslaved and be taught that they have to turn to a white God mm -hmm. to free them from mm. the very white people who are enslaving them. Mm. If the God that I'm turning to looks like the people who are enslaving me, where is my refuge? Where? Right. Most world religions, culturally, the deity looks like the people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're the only people that don't have a deity. It looks like us, even though the Bible describes a black Jesus. That's right. Right. Hair, skin, bronze, all of it. How does bronze skin Location. and coil hair mm -hmm. look? How are you hiding a white baby in Egypt? That's right. Please tell me. None of it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I dare not even talk about some things because I'll be canceled. This country is run by a certain group and I'm just going to oh, my business. Yeah. I, you know I'm there with <laughs> Hello. You, right? Amen. But you see me, I see you. Right. Right. Um, I am working on my second book and it is called Love Disrupted. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's about how colonialism disrupted indigenous love practices around the world mm -hmm. and how they ripped us of our true power, which is centering and being able to connect with one another on a spiritual level mm -hmm. and centering and being able to connect to Mother Earth on a spiritual level and centering and being able to connect with spirit on a deep level. Don't follow the stars. 
don't uh, pray to our ancestors, don't burn incense, don't do all of the things that give us our spiritual power to uh, depower us, disconnect us so that they can control us. I'm glad you mentioned because that's where I was going next as far as, uh, you know, the burning of the sage, as far as the crystals, as far as stars and um, herbs and yeah. so that. So that is what people, most people consider spirituality and, mm-hmm. and hoodooism, mm-hmm. right? And some people are even questioning whether hoodooism is the basis of some of yes. our denominational practices. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? White supremacy has done a job on us. Mm-hmm. I mean a job. Mm-hmm. It has screwed us over time and time again, to make us hate the things that are truly who we are intrinsically, Mm -hmm. at our root, at Mm -hmm. our core, Mm -hmm. right? When Beyonce came out with Black is King, I mean, the church lost it. The Black, Jesus is King. Mm. Jesus is Black. Mm -hmm. Black is King. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. She's worshiping deities and ancestors and all of that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you ain't called out your white oppressor at all. Mm -hmm. But yet you want to call out another black woman for honoring her blackness. Mm -hmm. It is a mind. I can't. It it screws our minds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it is so essential for you to find out who you were before white people told you who you were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Too often we are defining ourselves based on the slave master's dictionary. There's no way the oppressed can look to the oppressor to teach them about who they are. Mm-hmm. That's the core of this thing. The core. Forget mm-hmm. titles, forget names. You are telling your story based on what your oppressor told you. Now, what that about, don't make no sense. Let me ask you this, Ben. What about the people who are saying you feel this way because it changes the narrative mm-hmm. for you yeah. to be okay mm-hmm. with being a homosexual yes. minister? What, mm-hmm. are your, what are your answers to that? My answers are... I have to have a conversation with you about dethroning whiteness from your life before I can even talk about homosexuality. Well, but but every homosexual is not a black man. So no, no, what no. about the white homosexual male, right? The white homosexual male <laughs> will still be white. Um, because at the end of the day, at the bottom of the totem pole are the black folks, even in the LGBT community. And mm-hmm. the bottom of that totem pole is the black trans people. Mm-hmm. And so white will still be white no matter they're gay or straight. Okay. We have to talk about that. I'm not walking in your black church and seeing a white Jesus on the wall and then trying to have a conversation about homosexuality with you. That's the first problem. Mm -hmm. We try to solve problems out of order. The first problem is uh, you are allowing the oppressor's story to define you. Mm -hmm. That's the source. I'm not telling this story so that I can be okay with being gay because I'm going to be okay with being gay whether you like me or not. Mm -hmm. The thing is, you need to be free so that you can find out who you are in spirit outside of who the oppressor is telling you you need to be. I always, going back to the hell question, Mm -hmm. I ask just common questions. If God is the same yesterday and today and forevermore, you heard that before, right? And in the Bible, it was okay Mm -hmm. for a parent to stone their child to death if the child was disobedient. That was religion. Mm-hmm. That was permissible by the church and the temple and all the people at that time. Actually, when they wanted to stone the women uh, for sleeping with the man, um, and Jesus said, he who was without sin cast the first stone, Jesus stopped that. But religiously, it was allowed, and we utilized the Old Testament mm-hmm. barbarianism um, to govern our actions today. So if God allowed it then, when we get to heaven, will we be allowed to stone children? Hmm. Women were forced to marry the man who raped them culturally. So when we get to heaven, we but just raped them. But that was, that was Old Testament, right? That is what people use and source to quote homosexuality in the New Testament. So, so let's talk about this a little bit, though. It seems as if we, as a people, we pick and choose Absolutely. elements of the, of the Bible. Like you will hear people say, well, that was just a parable. That didn't actually happen. You know, the Bible was actually written 500 years later after it actually happened and so forth. What are your thoughts on it as a minister as far as people picking and choosing what parts of the Bible actually stand? People use the Bible to cover their own bigotry. Mm -hmm. People use the Bible 
to stand on their own discriminations. Like, if you are going to choose this as a sin, then you have to choose that as a sin and that as a sin and that. Like, it's either one, it's either none or all. Mm -hmm. The many people cherry pick based on their own personal preferences. With the, right. And that was going back to what I was saying before about people utilizing the word to, 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 to their benefit. But what would you say this, Ben? Would you say that we're living in the last days? No. No. So no. you don't believe that? No. We've been living in the last days for the last thousand years. Mm -hmm. Every generation preaches about the last days. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jesus is surely coming. Live your life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Not live oppressed. Mm -hmm. Not live not enjoying the things so that God COVID, gave us to live. The vaccinations, none of these things indicate the you know. Not at all. The the the, the war right now. Not at all. They've been warned since the Bible. Okay. There have been more deaths since the Bible than what's happening right now. Right now, so 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 the the belief of this is it. The UFOs and you know the acknowledgement that there's extraterrestrial creatures out there. None of these things no. indicate. The end to Not you. at all. The thing is, um, the word tells us that no man knows the day or the hour. Mm -hmm. So if we can sit and predict it, then we ain't even close to it. We're not even close. Because if no man can know the day or the hour, mm -hmm. how are we able to then predict and, and live under such duress in the name of love? Love is not duress. Mm -hmm. Love is not oppression. Love is freedom. Love, love is joy. Love is fear. And yes. Yeah. So let me ask you this. With the war that's happening right now, um, and I, if you haven't been following, just let me know. Oh, we can. Okay, you have. What are your viewpoints? I know, as a man of God, and especially as um, a Christ follower, what are your thoughts about what's happening right now with Israel and Hamas? I am absolutely disgusted um, by what is going on. Mm -hmm. It is genocide. Mm -hmm. Mass. Gen we are witnessing mass genocide on our TV screens, on our phones. And we are powerless to do anything about it. Genocide on what side, though? All sides. Mm -hmm. All sides. Mm -hmm. Children, innocent people mm -hmm. should never be caught in the middle of wars. But that's right? war, right? It, it is, it is, it is, it is barbarianism. It mm -hmm. is, it is disgusting. It is So what's not... the difference between this war and any other war that we've ever Well, witnessed? actually what I've been telling people today, y'all are excited about this, but they've been killing people in Africa always. That's what I'm trying to understand. Been... So, so I, that's why I'm not as uh, shaken or taken aback. I'm disgusted by it all. Mm -hmm. But this has been going on in our country, our, our, our ancestors' countries for centuries. Mm -hmm. Africa has been pillaged Resources have been stolen. Children have been kidnapped. Like Michelle Obama was almost a lone wolf in saying, bring back our kids. And people made fun of her. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But if if it now it's happening to a certain group of people and now everybody's up in arms. But this has been going on around the world for so long. Um, and that's why people use it. Oh, it's the end times. It, no, this stuff has been happening. It's just hasn't been on your news screens because it hasn't been happening to the right color people. So what do you, well, this has been happening to them since like, like what, 1948, this war? It's been going on since biblical times. So what do you think it has been? So what do you think, why now? Why so much attention right now? We are living in a time where white supremacy is fighting for its position, to remain in position. In mm -hmm. 50 years, the white race is dying. There will be majority black people, majority Hispanic people mm -hmm. all over the world, mm -hmm. majority black people all over the world in a lot of spaces where whiteness dominated. I mean, if you literally take a deep dive into some of the propaganda that they push out, the reason why they overturned Roe versus Wade and the reason why they want to stop these people from having abortions is not to protect children. Their numbers are dwindling. This is a fact. Mm -hmm. They've said it in their speeches. Mm -hmm. We're dying out. We need to stop these people from having abortions to save the white race. Again, not my opinion. This is fact. Go mm -hmm. research their speeches, mm -hmm. research their mm -hmm. propaganda. And so if you look at the color of what's happening here, it is people fighting for their stance and their position um, in the hierarchy of the world. Mm -hmm. And whiteness is preferenced all around the world. 
That's why you have most of these majority white countries um, uh, fighting against um, uh, immigrants mm-hmm. and immigration and <clears throat> refugees, and we don't want these people here. And they're take, you know, when there was the current war in uh, Syria. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's happening with Russia, what was happening with, um, it might not have been Turkey, but it was somewhere over there where refugees were, you know, being taken to other countries. They were blocking the African refugees. From, mm-hmm. And we're sending support and they're discriminating against. It's always the case. Whiteness mm-hmm. trying to hold on to power all around the world. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing major shifts all around the world. That's why we swung to President Obama, again, a black person coming to save the day after George Bush and his crew ruined everything, and a whole pendulum swing back to, wait a minute now, y'all, y'all getting carried away, too much equality, too much blackness, mm-hmm. and we get a Donald Trump. I mean, Hillary Clinton, it wasn't even about race. Hillary Clinton did everything right. She was a white woman, educated, the most educated person to run for president, and y'all put Trump in? Mm-hmm. Because so, so you, so I could take that as if Trump runs in 2024, he won't be getting your vote. I almost pushed you out that chair. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, so not at all. So today, the way that this country is currently ran, um, you you're willing to go through another four years. Uh, yes, I mean I have no choice. Um, most of my days are spent out of this country anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, not because of, um, even some of the, I mean, yes, because of the craziness. I mean, this is still one of the greatest countries in the world. And to say that you'd have to think about, well, what the hell is going on in the rest of the world that we are still the greatest. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I find my time now pursuing peace. So I spend my time in peaceful countries Mm -hmm. where I don't have to worry about the police. I don't have to worry about, you know, uh, guns. I don't have to worry about uh, mass shootings. I don't have to worry about, you know, drugs, uh, plaguing communities, all that. Um, I just pursue my time with peace. But see, that's good for you. But what about all of the others that are left here in this country and have to deal with the legislation and the way that things are currently being ran? Um, I believe that each free person should free somebody else. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I do my best to do what I can with what I have. I know it's not my job and my task to take on saving the entire world or saving the entire country. I save who I can, not save, I enlighten who I can enlighten. I'm an example to who I can be an example for. But ultimately, each person has to put themselves first and mm-hmm. what is best for them. Mm-hmm. And so it is unfortunate right, that most of our freedom fighters, nobody turns back and says, thank you. Mm-mm. Nobody turns back and says, we'll take care of you. Nobody says you fought for our equal rights for years. We know you don't have a job. We know you don't have a retirement plan. So we're going to build a fund so that we take care of you. Most of our civil rights leaders die penniless mm-hmm. and struggling. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be my story. And not think, that's not going to be your story. Not at all. Okay. That's right. So in your book, your goal of I'm black, I'm a minister, and I'm gay. Did I say it in the right order? Yes. Okay. What is your goal? Is your goal to free other people who feel as if they have to live under a rock or shame? Yes. My goal is through facts, um, which oftentimes uh, when facts uh, are counter to the narrative that you are told, you will disregard the facts and accept that narrative that Mm -hmm. you're told. Mm Mm-hmm. So my job is through experiences to help people, just like I had to experience um, a meeting uh, affluent black gay men to then have my mindset change, mm-hmm. to get people encounters and experiences that just show them another way. Because mm-hmm. what, you, what you're saying is I had to see it. I yes. had to see it to know. Because, you know, I remember meeting a young, this is probably about a decade ago, I met a young man and he he's doing very well, probably one of the affluent men that you met when you were in Chicago and I remember meeting him and he mentioned to me that when I met him he was a cross dresser mm-hmm. young young boy um and he was very awkward in his look he he it was he's probably about 6 7 mm-hmm. and just his feet were overtaking the shoes mm-hmm. didn't fit the clothes properly any of that 
And then now when you see him, fast forward 10 years later, he is a man who is living his gay life. But he looks amazing because he is a man. He no longer was trying to emulate what he thought gayness meant. Mm -hmm. He said that the only thing he saw on TV for gay men at that time was what he saw in Real Housewives of Atlanta, for instance. Mm -hmm. You had to have mm -hmm. on high heel shoes and da 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 And he said that that that's what he thought was him. And he realized further on that that was not him. He was who he was, and he embraced it, and he's living his truth. How many young men do you think are out here still trying to fit an image because they don't know that that's, there's no Ben Carlton yeah. For them to see and be able to recognize that I can be like him. I don't have to be this person or that yes. person. I think the human experience, we we are social creatures. Mm -hmm. And we try our best to fit in social groups. Right? Mm -hmm. I can't fit here, so I need to fit here. And I need to do things to fit in that group. Mm -hmm. My job um, is to free you so that um, you are who you are and the world adjusts. And you don't only, and when you say you are who you are, my job is, is that only for the LGBT community? Everybody. So Anybody that reads my book will find the path to authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, Alan um, Downs uh, written, wrote a book called The Velvet Rage. Mm -hmm. Now, most of it is white-centered, but you can pull some things out that are important. And he talks about after you come out, after you embrace who you truly are, you now enter into the birth of authenticity. Okay. You are becoming who you are outside of who the world told you you should be. Mm. You are come, becoming who you are outside of trauma. You're becoming who you are. And you find, just like the, the, the young man who was a cross-dresser and now he's not, mm -hmm. he was finding out who he was beyond who he thought he should be. Mm -hmm. or who the world told him what gay was. That's right. And so it's so important for no matter who you are, because we're born into norms, we're born into families, we're born into societies that we not act, we did not ask to be born into. And so we have to do what we can to adjust and fit. And sometimes it takes being exposed to what life could be um, for you to realize who you truly are. Mm -hmm. And that's what this book is all about. It's about finding out who you are outside of fear. If fear is leading your and motivating your actions and building who you are, then that is the wrong motivator. Mm -hmm. And the byline to my book is uh, seven reasons why living in your truth won't send you to hell. Mm. Because I always challenge people on the hell thing. I ask questions like, when you go to hell, mm -hmm. um, do you have your skin or are you your body or spirit? Which one are you? Spirit. Spirit. Okay. So if we are spirit, how can there be um, weeping and gnashing of teeth? What eyes? What teeth? If we're spirit, mm -hmm. do spirits have teeth? Spirit have eyes? We don't know. Mm -hmm. um, what 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 is burning? How is our skin burning if we are spirit? Like, make it make sense. It doesn't make sense. Some of these stories, we've been drilled, don't ask questions. We've been drilled not to use our common sense. It doesn't make sense. I say, are animals in heaven? Most people don't know. They say yes. I said, so are uh, cows sitting up there squirting on the floor and bees sitting up there uh, making honey if the land is flowing with milk and honey? Where does milk and honey come from? Mm -hmm. Cows mm -hmm. and bees. That makes no sense. But love makes sense. Mm -hmm. Respect makes sense. Honor makes sense, but people don't follow that. Mm -hmm. They judge. They condemn. They misuse the word. The things that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. The things that Christ told us not to do. Christ said, um, love your God. They asked, what's the greatest command of all? Christ said, love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you can hang every other law on those two things. Mm. And that's all I live by. I love God and I love people and that's it. Love. That's it. That's it. That's it. And the basis of it all should be love. Yeah. Because it's impossible for you to love a God whom you've never seen and not love your brother whom you see every day. Every day. It's impossible for you to leave church mm -hmm. after having a high time in God and come out and spit on me because I'm gay. Mm -hmm. That is antichrist. Mm -hmm. That is not love. That's not. That's not. What's next for you? Um, my book, Love um, Disrupted. Mm -hmm. um, I am uh, launching my uh, talk show. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be writing um, some films. 
Okay, amazing, yes. amazing. And if people wanted to see you somewhere, are you going to be on a speaking circuit or any of that? Um, eventually, um, I'm actually out <laughs> the remaining of 2023. I'll spend a month and a half in Thailand and exploring the places around there, Singapore, um, uh, Vietnam. Uh, just it refuels me to go be in the place of peace and then come back here and fight, mm -hmm. fight for peace, fight for equal rights. Fight. You gotta go somewhere and be replenished and people say well why don't you just go live your free life and leave us alone i said if i did not encounter people that helped me become free i wouldn't be where i am today That's it's right. my duty it's my job it's my godly duty to be christ to be the salt to be the love to be the fruit on earth mm -hmm. and i do that by spreading love light and laughter then it has been a complete honor and I am so glad that you said yes and came in today. Thank you so much. Who, who, who was the person? Did you? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you. I'll tell you offline. I'll tell you offline. Because that's been a common thought. I'm like, wait, she never told I me. I will who. tell you offline. Because I want to thank them for this experience. Okay. I really do. I'm going to call them once we okay. close out. Because yes. I think I definitely want to make sure to make the connection. Yes. And I also want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Coronology. Thank you. See you next time. Get no money worried about what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to closing the deal, I get you done. Everything one. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast.